Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran Dean Van Dyke will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Today, I'm excited to have Navy veteran Brian Andrews, one half of the dynamic duo Andrews and Wilson, and they are the writing team behind the USA Today, Wall Street Journal, Audible, and number one Amazon best-selling Tier 1 series, which has been optioned for television. Brian is a nuclear engineer and Park Leadership Fellow. He served as an officer on a fast attack submarine. His co-author, Jeff, is a vascular surgeon and jet pilot who conducted combat operations with an East Coast-based SEAL team and worked in covert government task forces. They have published more than 25 novels, sold millions of copies across media channels. Their other works include the Sons of Valor series, the Shepherd series, and Rogue Asset for the Web Griffin Estate. They are now writing the latest installment of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan novel series for Penguin Random House, beginning with The Act of Defiance, which launches on the 40th anniversary of The Hunt for Red October in May of 2024. Well, welcome back. This is From Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke. And today I'm fortunate enough to have Brian Andrews of Andrews and Wilson. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Always great to meet a fellow Navy veteran. So tell us in 60 seconds or less who Brian is. Brian Anders is one half of Anders and Wilson. We are the Navy veteran co-author team behind the Tier 1 Military Thriller series. And uh, since we started writing together, we've picked up a couple other things that have been sort of interesting. We could talk about some of that. Uh, but might as well let everybody know that the next big book coming out that we have is going to be... Uh, Sons of Valor 3 in November. And after that, we're writing a Tom Clancy book. So we're pretty excited wow. about that. Yeah. I bet. Well, congrats on the book coming out in November. Oh, thanks so much. What? Um, so you said Tom Clancy. When's that one coming out? That comes out in May of uh, 24. And okay. one of the really cool things about that particular project is that um, it's the Jack Ryan series. And this book comes out on the 40th anniversary of The Hunt for Red October. So oh, wow. Yeah, we're, we're honored. Kind of cool that a submarine, former submarine officer like myself, actually gets to write a submarine Tom Clancy book on the 40th anniversary of Red October. Nice. So tell us about that submarine service. We don't hear much about that, which is a good thing, but tell us a little <laughs> yeah. bit about that. Yeah, we're the silent service. So, you know, really, in, in actuality, I should just say nothing, right? But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it is the silent service and, you know, operational security is important and, and mm -hmm. submariners, we don't go around bragging about uh, what we do um, in detail, but we are a proud community. Uh, we're proud that uh, we work very hard. It is a community of men and women now. I don't know if all your listeners know that, but it is a joint service as far as men and women mm -hmm. are both serving on submarines. Back when I served, there were no women on submarines, but now integrated crews on a lot of the boats. And, um, you know, this is a platform that is out there doing some really important high um, high value missions, you know, when it comes to intelligence collection and battle group protection. And and a lot of times it might be the first asset on the scene in a, in a particular area. And a lot of people don't realize that. So the submarine community is a very, very important part of the Navy. And the work that we're doing is provides a lot of intelligence to the decision makers, you know, in, in the Navy, but also in the White House. No, absolutely. And you guys were so tough to find, let me tell you. Did you ever look? <laughs> oh, yeah, we looked. Um, 
I mean, we, we, we had, uh, obviously some submarines were attached to the, um, to this, the carrier strike group, but it was, um, I was on a guided missile destroyer and guided missile frigate. And, you know, when we would do exercises and try to find, I mean, I hate to admit it, but we were usually the first ones that, you know, were out. I won't say why, but you got bingoed uh, first. <laughs> got bingoed first. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was interesting to, uh, one of the most interesting things I, I observed being a surface Navy was watching a subsurface and, uh, we had to, um, what did we do? We sent some supplies across, I think it was. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, that was, that was interesting seeing, you know, we knew about, you know, cause obviously we didn't want to be anywhere near where you guys surfaced, but, um, no, that was interesting. And I guess I never understood why you want to go sink yourself in a perfectly good <laughs> ship, but Hey, yeah. I know it is a strange thing to do drive around underwater and you're driving around blind. I mean, you're, you're, you're navigating based on sort of this, you know, helpful computerized dead reckoning, but I mean, you can't see where you're going. So you're driving right. based on the charts and, and sort of anticipating that there's nothing in your way. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, uh, modern submarines, we're not transmitting active sonar because that would give away our position. Mm -hmm. So we, we are not making noise, uh, which means we have to just listen to where we're going. And, and uh, we use geometry. It's, it's a geometry problem to figure out who's up there and where they're going. Yeah. And that's a, it's always interesting to think about how, uh, you know, when you guys go out, depending on whether you're a fast attack or a, a boomer, it, what your, what your mission is. And it's, it's just interesting to know that, you know, there are some of our subs that would just go out and sit right and collect yeah. Intel and yeah. uh, seems kind of boring, but I think, you know, the folks that do it, uh, you know, hats off to you guys for doing that. But uh, so obviously both of you served in the military, um, your co-author um, was former Navy SEAL or former pilot? He's a com he was a combat surgeon and combat he, surgeon, ser okay. he served with the Navy SEALs. So okay. um, yeah, very interesting guy. He also spent um, some time with uh, DEA and some other agencies. And he is a pilot with thousands of hours of flight time. So that's pretty cool too. Um, yeah. And, uh, then, then when nine 11 happened and, uh, they were calling up lots of folks and doing lots of missions over in Iraq and Afghanistan, they realized that they needed, uh, you know, to get somebody with, you know, battlefield medicine experience out there mm -hmm. to maybe help look at how can we make sure that the seals, uh, you know, can, can sort of take a an operating system with them. You know, if there's not an operating sweet in the field, you know, what do right. you do? How do you deal with these types of injuries? So he was involved in that. Now, did you, so when did you both serve? Yes. Yeah, so I served from uh, like 96 to 2001. Okay. And then he served, uh, he did two stints. So he was in the Navy, then he got out to become a surgeon. And then he went back in after 9-11. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you, I was, I just got out in 95. So, okay. So interesting. How did you, how did the two of you connect? And then how did you become authors? Yeah. So uh, the path to publication is different for every, every person. I would imagine, you know, my particular path to publication was I never planned to be an author. 
It's just that when you're in the Navy, uh, you know, there's the guys that can tell stories and keep everybody else entertained, help, help the watch pass, you know, especially if it's, <laughs> if you're transiting and there's not much going on. So I used to sort of feel like one of my jobs as a watch stander was to collect stories and then, you know, regurgitate those stories at a later date. So when I'd go into port somewhere, I'd get everybody's stories, all the funny ones. And then I'd sort of dole them out over time. And I'd collect uh, stories from guys on different boats, different communities, anything that was sort wow. of funny and entertaining. And then when I was leaving the boat, I remember one of the guys came up to me. He's like, hey, you're a pretty good storyteller. Did you ever think about writing a book? And I said, no, I never thought about it. But he put that little that little bug in my ear. And and after that, I, I never forgot that comment. And um, I started, you know, as I would read things in, in the news or the paper, I would always say, well, I wonder what would happen if such and such happened. You know, it, what if mm -hmm. this? Right. And every good story, at least thriller novels, are sort of born of that what if question. And so my first what if question was, I saw something about the uh, human genome project it was an announcement that they were getting very close they'd sequenced 95 percent of the human genome and they anticipated being complete within the next six months and i remember thinking what if uh you know they got your dna and they realized you had some mutation that made mm -hmm. it so that you never got sick you had this really good immune system you know what would that be worth to a pharmaceutical company maybe billions you know, trillions potentially if they could cure all disease and then what lengths would they go to to maybe steal somebody's genome from them so that that was the what if question that drove me to write my first book which i wrote by myself mm -hmm. and after writing that book i quickly realized that i had no idea how to get it published or what my next steps could be so i tried to get an agent and it wasn't working and i tried to get it published and it wasn't working i realized i need to go get trained up by the people who know what they're doing. I need to get other authors, just like in the Navy, we get qualified. I need to get qualified. So I found this group called the International Thriller Writers, and it's a collection of people, of authors who write thrillers, some of them published, some of them unpublished, but the senior authors, the ones who'd been published and know the ropes and had publishing deals, came together to start this community with purely the intent of trying to provide, you know, uh, a resource being themselves to aspiring authors who wanted to be published. And they have a conference every year in New York City. It's usually in May, sometimes in June. But if you are an aspiring author listening to this podcast and, and you want to maybe figure out a way to get your book published, I would encourage you to go to a writer's conference like the Thriller Writers Conference, or there's different ones for different genres. There's a science fiction genre, there's romance genres and, and the like. And what you'll find is other people just like you who are at similar stage on their journey. And then a lot of people who are just willing to reach out their hand and, and sort of help you out with, um, you know, paying it forward because they were helped when they were trying to become published. And that is where I met Jeff is at that writer's conference. Wow. Interesting. So how, so we know, you know, your military service is obviously influencing what you're writing about and, um, so tell us a little bit about how you're using your experience. Uh, I can see the books there behind you, but yeah, how did your military service inform your writing and and where you are today? That's a great question, and um, I think maybe it's interesting to sort of back up a little bit when you think about that question, and you look at 
someone like Tom Clancy. You know, he was not a military veteran. He did not serve. He was a great researcher, you know, and he's a great storyteller, mm -hmm. but never, never was a captain of a submarine or of a frigate or a destroyer, never flew airplanes, landed on carriers. Um, you know, same with Vince Flynn. You know, he wasn't a spy. You know, he 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 had his own small business and, you know, he sold books out of his car, back of his car in, in, in Minnesota. I think that that was the story. That's how he got himself started. Um, so if you look at, um, you know, this sort of long distinguished group of, of thriller writers that created this genre, most of them were not uh, military veterans or, or veterans of the intelligence mm -hmm. community. And after uh, the Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, what you had is a whole new generation of veterans who came home with lots of stories to tell and decided, you know what, I want to tell my story and maybe I don't want to write a nonfiction book. Maybe it's not going to be a tell-all or it's not a biography, but, you know, I think I'm going to inform the world and, 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 and inform people what type of stressors are military service members under when they're in combat, you know, what do they experience? Uh, what are their fears? What are their sacrifices? You know, what's the impact on family? And you can do that in a fiction novel, right? You can tell a fun story, but you can still incorporate all these real life authentic elements. And so that's what ha what drives uh, Jeff and, and myself when we write our military thrillers. And the same, you know, we've had the same conversation with with other gentlemen who've entered the industry. So, you know, Don Bentley is a great example. You know, he was an uh, Apache pilot in the Army. Josh Hood is a thriller writer. Jack Carr writes the Terminalist series. Um, you've got Ward Larson, who was a Air Force pilot, flew A-10s. And so you've got T Tony Tata, General Tata. He he's writing thrillers. So you have a group of us now that sort of said, okay, we're going to write thrillers. And, and you mm -hmm. see this changing of the guard from folks who never served and didn't experience to people who have these authentic experiences. And I think what the readers have realized is that, wow, you know, um, this level of authenticity is really gripping and it's mm -hmm. changed the way that the genre is perceived, I think, by the readership. Yeah, it's interesting because I think some of the, when you think about that shift in generational, you know, folks coming out of Vietnam, like a lot of my uh, VFW post members are Vietnam veterans. We have a Korean veteran and the authors that came out of Vietnam and just kind of the, you know, that shift. But I think, you know, with what you're able to do with the authenticity is obviously there's, you know, one of the big things that most folks don't understand is PTSD. Um, yeah. they, I won't associate some of the things that they think it is, but we as veterans, you know, may or may not struggle with that. Um, but there's a stigma attached to that as well, which I think, you know, through the writing, you can help folks understand that, you know, it is something that veterans go through. I mean, it's, you know, people aren't meant to go out and do what we do, although, um, you know, we raise our right hand and do it voluntarily. So, um, so how do you, I know you guys want to entertain your audience. However, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do to educate folks that are, you know, non-military, uh, but how, how do you incorporate that into your writing? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it sort of is just a natural dovetail to what we were just talking about in the previous question, which is this idea that, you know, service members, men and women have their stories. And so what we try to do is through our fictional characters, there's sort of all of our characters are amalgams of the different men and women that we served with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can't say that John Dempsey is, you know, X, Y, and Z person. What he really is, is he's a mixture of, you know, the different men and women that Jeff served with and I served with and, and their personality traits and some of their experiences and the way they handle um, adversity. And I think that we all need um, role models in our adult life. Uh, I think that, you know, we forget that sometimes. You think, mm -hmm. you know, superheroes are for kids. And when you grow up, you know, you don't need that anymore because, you know, you're a grown up. But the, the truth of the matter is we all need to be reminded of, you know, techniques and, and ways to handle adversity. And also, you know, what uh, do you do when you're put in a morally compromising situation? And I think, you know, in the military, you're faced with these challenges on a daily basis. And so, you know, military is very, you know, principled based organization, mm -hmm. at least that's, it strives to be right. And I think that those of us who um, really value our military service and look uh, favorably upon uh, service in general would, would all agree that, you know, uh, leading by example and principle-based behavior is very important. And so we uh, know that a lot of people are not going to read, you know, Tony, uh, David Goggins book, or they're not going to read Tony Robbins or self-help books. There's just some people that they don't want to read that sort of stuff. Right. What they want to do is be entertained. And we want to entertain because enter being entertained is fun. But at the same time, we want our characters to be somebody when you put down the book, you're like, man, if I had, if I was in that situation, I sure hope I could do what John Dempsey did. You know, I would want to find that dig deep and I want to, I would want to do what he did. So we want to inspire people uh, in fiction with characters who are based on real life heroes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I read a headline uh, this morning in the wall street journal and we know what's going on in, in Israel and Gaza and everything. And yeah. one of the, quotes I read from an Israeli soldier, which made me cringe is we want revenge. And I, I get that feeling. Don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I understand that feeling after nine 11, I understand that feeling, you know, during the Persian Gulf war that I was a part of. Uh, but you touched on the principle based, right? We, yeah. you know, we, we, we follow the Geneva convention. We are principle based in our, in our actions. And so I, you know, reading something like that, it does cause me to pause because yeah. we know what has occurred with some of our, you know, military members that have made bad decisions. And so yeah. it's interesting that you bring that principle based up. But uh, so with you, you mentioned early on, you're, you're, you've got a book coming out in May of 24 with Tom Clancy. Um, yes. One of my favorite authors, uh, Hunt for Red October, is one of my favorite books. Um, but how, what's that like? I mean, how do you? I mean, that to me, knowing that you know what you guys are, you know, you're in the process of. What is that like working for such or writing for an iconic brand such as that or Web Griffin Estate? 
Yeah, it's a little terrifying at first. And, you know, when we first, <laughs> we first got asked to do it um, by Tom Colgan. So Tom Colgan is an editor at Penguin Random House. And he actually knew uh, Tom Clancy because he was his editor. So, you know, he, he was friends with Clancy. He'd worked with Clancy. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who was really responsible for sort of shepherding in this uh, idea that, you know, the characters will live on, will continue the canon after Tom Clancy passed away. And so the first author to take over the Clancy Mandel is a, is a guy named Mark Greeny, very talented author. He writes the Gray Man series and he did a fantastic job. And I, I don't remember how many books that Mark wrote, wrote, but it's probably six or seven or eight. I mean, a, a fair number of, of books in the Jack Ryan Sr. Um, universe. And then you had the Jack Ryan Jr. character who uh, was developed and spun off to his own series. And so you have other great authors who've written in that space. You have Grant Blackwood and Mike Madden and Don Bentley, the most recent, taking over um, Jack Jr. And then you have uh, Mark Cameron, who was writing the, the senior series before us. And so when Mark Cameron decided that he was ready to to uh, pass the baton, Tom Colgan came to us and said, would you guys like to to take over the the Jack Ryan series? And you're just like you know, wondering, are you hallucinating? You know, is this real life? <laughs> is this real life? You know, this is a book yeah. that I read when I was on a submarine, you know, 25 years ago. And now I'm going to get to maybe write a submarine book with these same characters. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. If I could go back to my former self and tell myself when I'm underway, you're going to write the book that's coming on the 40th anniversary of Red October, I would have told myself I was insane. No way. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's a giant responsibility. And the only way I think that you can mentally, honestly, survive that worry is you have to say uh, to yourself, and this is what this is the advice that Tom Colgan gave us. uh, Do not try to out Clancy Clancy. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you can't write like Clancy. Don't try to be Clancy. If you do, you will fail because people will notice that you're aping the master. So what he said is. I have observed when my other authors try to imitate, it doesn't go well. So what I tell them is you write the best dang book that you can in your voice and your style and just be uh, pay homage to those characters, you know, treat them well. Um, Don't do anything that Clancy wouldn't do with Jack Ryan, but use your voice and tell the story your way. And giving us that permission allowed us to do this book. I mean, that I, I think we would have been paralyzed at the keyboard if you hadn't said that to us. Yeah, that's uh sounds like some great advice. And I don't know, Jack Ryan did some pretty crazy things in Red Hunt in the hunt for Red October. I mean, I don't know that I'm gonna, you know, hit the release button on that cable and drop myself yeah. into the North Sea next to it, a submarine, but you know, I guess. Um yeah. you know, that's that's and then, but you know, it's it's interesting because. I can only imagine the day you guys got that call or you got, you know, contacted and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Who are you again? Yeah. Um, uh, which, I mean, you know, congratulations to the two of you. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to mark that release date on my calendar and I will be, uh, I'll pick up a few of your books before then, but uh, it's, uh, I, I'm looking forward to that next book. In fact, I probably should read Red Hunt for Red October again, but. Uh, yeah, maybe reread it before. I mean, I think. What's interesting, too, as a fan of the series, um, what I had forgotten, because it it's been years, 
is that a lot of my, you know, opinion of the movie was also influenced by the, I'm sorry, the opinion of the novel was influenced or sort of convoluted by the, by the movie. Cause oh, the movie is so iconic too, you know, with um, such great, great casting and Sean Connery, of course, and all these scenes and some of the scenes that are in the film actually are not in the book. And you kind of misremember, you're like, Oh, I, I thought that was in the book and it, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about trying to please our, our audience, uh, the challenge is, you know, we have to address both groups, you know, the people that had seen the right. film and people that love the book and try to make them both happy. So that's interesting, too. I'm sure. I'm sure. So the so one of the things we always, you know, eventually there comes a day, right, when we decide to leave the military, whether we're retiring or we decide to to move on from the military. And, um, you know, one of the things I felt leaving active duty was the loss of a sense of community. Yeah. And um, so what have throughout your transition and, and Jeff's transition, what, what did you guys see, or maybe you still see it today? What are some of the biggest challenges facing our veterans today that are leaving the military? And how are you um, using your writing and your brand uh to impact some of those challenges. So Dean, I really love that question. I'm so glad you asked it um, because it's something that we think about a lot. And in mm -hmm. fact, um, I feel like it is part of our brand because when we started this process, I told you a little bit about the International Thriller Writers Organization mm -hmm. and how it's very fraternal and helpful. Um, but the other half of that that I didn't mention is that you know it's it's a community of veteran writers too who have been very helpful and also veteran businesses. I mean, one of the things you see behind me right here is a bag of coffee and that says Sons of Valor on it. And that's the title of one of our books. And, and, and that is a gentleman, former Navy SEAL named Tim Cruikshank, who'd be a great guest on your show, by the way, um, who started a coffee roastery up in Seattle. And uh, we decide, you know what, why don't we just try to help each other out? You know, we can, mm. we can work together. And that's sort of the cool thing about this military ethos is it comes very natural for veterans because we're all familiar with this idea of force multiplier and mm -hmm. team before self. This is woven into our DNA from service. And so when you get out, sometimes I think into the business world, it can be a shock. It can be a little bit disheartening because you're sort of looking for those same values or that same approach in the civilian world. And it might be a little harder to find sometimes. And so what I would encourage all veterans to do when they get out, because you have lost your, your team, you know, you've mm -hmm. lost your purpose. And so now when you're trying to find a new team and new purpose, I would encourage you to reach out to the veteran entrepreneurship community. It is robust. Mm -hmm. It covers lots of different sectors. And what I have found is that veteran entrepreneurs are very, very, very uh, willing to donate their time and their expertise uh, entirely for free to help other veterans, uh, you know, in their in, the, in their entrepreneurial pursuits. And so I have, you know, along with Jeff, I'm not just saying it's, it's not my idea, it's us together. You know, sure. we have taken the approach of, you know, anybody that reaches out to us who's a veteran that needs help, if they're interested in um, writing, we can help them with that. But even if they're just saying, you know what, can you help connect me to other people that you know, uh, it's all, that's, that's, what's great about the veteran network is, you know, we all know each other. And, uh, if I don't know somebody that 
is exactly the type of person you need. I probably know somebody who knows somebody that can right. make a connection. Yeah. And I think that that's the interesting thing about just the, you know, once we leave the military, we still have that sense of community, but it, it changes, right? It, yeah. Uh, uh, like when you were on the sub, your community was, depending on the type of sub, you know, the number of crew on the sub, your engineering, uh, you know, shipmates, submates, I guess. Um, but um, the, I think the interesting thing though, is that there are communities of veterans out there and it's just, you need to, you need to seek those out and you need to leverage them um, and become a part of it. I mean, I know in this area, it's interesting you mentioned um, Mr. Crookshank. I did not know he was in Seattle. So we are actually very close. Oh, you um, are? Yeah, I'm, I'm 15 minutes outside Seattle. So um, it's, um, yeah, there's, and, and we have a large veteran community out here uh, because of all the naval bases. And then we've got uh, JBLM, the Army and Air Force Base yeah. uh, south of here. So, um, so what's, so what's it like with uh, film and television? How, I mean, how, <laughs> how do you take your brand? I mean, it, you know, <laughs> I was actually just in Hollywood. And so I was, Oh, where are you? Yeah, I was, I was there last week for a conference. I was speaking at a conference and, um, you know, I got to get out and walk around Hollywood for a little bit and you see these entire sides of a building with a, with a movie poster yeah, and or TV poster or whatever it is. So what's it like to be able to take your brand to film and television, um, and experience that? I mean, that's, you know, we drove by Paramount studios. Of course, we didn't go in because of the strike, but, um, it was, it's interesting to drive by those studios and think, Oh, wow, that's where, you know, yeah. our films are made. That's where the television. Uh, so, so what's that like for you guys? I mean, we're, we kind of just started dipping our toe in this other, you know, media channel. And, 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 and part of that is just this idea that, you know, we, we want to be able to tell our stories uh, on different channels. We know that not everybody reads, you know, and so we want mm -hmm. to be able to, we can get in the film and television space, then our stories can reach more people there. And so, you know, about two years ago, we said we're going to make concerted effort, to try to get into this space. And um, it, we've been, you know, knock on wood, we've been quite successful so far. Now, not, none of our projects are actually on the air right now. The development time is quite long. And so that's, that's been something that's, um, you know, it was something that we anticipated, but we mm -hmm. didn't really expect it would take this long, right? <laughs> it takes a lot longer than we thought because, how you long know, is it? I mean, how long, when did you guys start or how long ago did you start? Yeah. I mean, the, the first option that we sold was over two years ago and, and it's, you know, it's still wow. in development. Now, keep in mind, you got six months of strike, writer strike in there that sort of derailed all of our projects. Um, but now things are starting to pick back up again, but it's not like writing a book. You know, when we put our heads together, we turn on a book in four months and and then it goes into the queue and it's going to, you know, we're going to see that that puppy in print in less than a year. Whereas with these, you know, that's many more uh, moving parts, much more complicated. And you have directors and casting and big budgets and and all the moving parts. So I get it. It takes a long time. That that I would say is just, you know, the frustrating part is just you, know, you got to wait. And so, you know, what we've done is we've said, OK, we have no idea which project's going to go. So we're just going to keep trying to get as many projects in the hopper as we can. And it's almost like a lottery approach, like, okay, well, you know, hopefully if we have 10 projects under development, you know, one of them will go. 
Um, And so that's sort of the approach that we've taken, like a methodical shotgun approach, I would say. Um, But the other thing I've noticed, uh, and you you maybe you've noticed this too when you were out there, is that it's a a very young uh, community, right? Like Hollywood Mm -hmm. is young. Like all the all the uh, folks at the studios that are acquiring content and, and pushing content forward, they're young. They're quite a bit younger than me. And so that's sort of fun that we're, we're, we're dealing with the younger generation uh, who are really tech savvy and really in the space. Yeah. When I was there, I didn't see too many people with a beard like this. So yeah. it was, uh, it was interesting. Just uh, there was a few of us at the conference, but most were, were fairly young, probably about my son, my oldest son's age, which was interesting to, to experience that. But uh well, I suppose you're 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 probably kind of biased about this next question, but to to bring the sub into port, it's it's rather easy. But uh, again, if you're biased, I completely understand being a writer. So, what three books would you recommend to my audience, and why? Now, are these my books or just books in general? I tell you what, if you want to recommend your books, I fully support it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's fun to be able to you know pick out some books from folks who you know, I know, and I think are fantastic books. So I would say, you know, from a nonfiction standpoint, you know, I would pick up a copy of Craig Morgan's book, um, God Family Country. This is, you know, Craig, a lot of people don't realize, you know, he's a great big country music star, but he's also a veteran. And, uh, you know, he did a lot of stuff and he's got some, he's a family man. He's got a lot of stories. So I would pick up uh, this book. Okay. As far as uh, in the Clancy universe, I sort of talked about uh, Don Bentley. This is my favorite one of his, uh, Target Acquired and Jack Ryan Jr. series. So I'd pick that up. And then on your um, pre-order pile, this is a this book is not out yet, but Jack Stewart is a former uh, Top Gun pilot, naval aviator, uh, fantastic guy, amazing guy. And this is his debut and it comes out in November. So um, yeah, by the time this, this broadcast airs, it might even be out. So pick it up. I've got some new books to pick up. Yeah. Awesome. So where can my audience go to find out more about yourself and Jeff and the amazing work you do? Uh, the easiest place is just our website, andrews-wilson.com. And on that website, andrews-wilson.com, you're going to see a list of all the different series that we write and all the books we have in order and then other cool stuff. If you sign up for our mailing list, uh, we'll send you updates. We probably do it maybe once or twice a quarter. So not a lot of spam. We're not going to flood your inbox with a bunch of junk, but it will let's keep you updated. You'll be the first to hear when we get a new deal or if there's a book coming out or something exciting. Awesome. Well, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming on the show today. It's been great. Um, and uh, your, so your next book is coming out this fall, correct? It comes out in November. Yep. November, and then the second one, the Tom Clancy one, is May of twenty four. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, Brian, this has been great. I I can't thank you enough again, and um, I usually like to give my my guests a final word, so I'll leave it up to you. I'm just gonna say, Dean, it's great to meet you. You give a great interview. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. I think it's a great podcast. And I love the fact that you're supporting veterans and and veterans in business. So thanks for all you do. You bet. Thank you as well, Brian. Thanks for listening. In order to help others, please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. 
If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at deanvandyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business.